Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. I'm your host, George Kurt, joined by the one and only Cody Roadcap. Cody, it's it's the kind of annoying bye week between the preseason and the regular season, but cut down day just happened. It's starting to feel pretty real over here. How are you? I'm doing good. I believe if we were in Hollywood, we would call this the penultimate week of the NFL. NFL offseason big of a so word the... for me. I'm I'm out. <laughs> okay, well, it's not it's a very rare that I'm using the big words on here, but doing great. Uh we had I had four drafts this weekend. Uh two more this weekend. I, I know you have a draft to get to after we're done recording. So we are in the center of fantasy draft season and could not be more excited. And in the middle of draft season, we had the drafts for the Couch Gems World Cup back on Sunday night. And that's going to be a big part of this show is we're going to break down the three drafts and show you how even if you prepare, um, you have to stay fluid because three drafts with the same exact scoring settings can go completely different. And we're going to give some of our favorite picks and more tips for you to get through your drafts as we finish up the offseason going into the regular season. We also got to hit some news. Make sure you find us on our social medias at the Couch GMs. And you can join our Discord chat in the link. The link is in the description of the video or podcast you're watching or listening to. Cody, why don't we check out that news? Sit back, relax, and chat. Big news coming out of the NFL on Tuesday. We know the Indianapolis Colts gave Jonathan Taylor's agent a deadline of the cutdown time on Tuesday to find a trade apparently they did not find a trade that colt's ownership found as appropriate compensation for jonathan taylor and he was not traded by that deadline and they placed him on the physically unable to perform list meaning he will miss at least the first four games of the regular season now i am someone who did not buy any stock of jonathan taylor in the drafts that i've had so far but for the people that have, this is a unexpected and pretty big blow. Um, I guess we should start off with implications on what you do if you have Jonathan Taylor already and this now happened. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, it was very unexpected. And I think we just kind of overshadowed, you know, the fact that, you know, that he was technically on PUP or he might have been on NFI and they moved into PUP. I don't remember the exact details but he was not practicing he was not playing they were talking about it you know he's coming off of an ankle injury there was some rumblings of a back so hindsight it's it's kind of surprising that he goes on pup uh for sure and that's why uh he was being drafted in the second round uh definitely hurts if you did to him luckily you probably didn't spend a first round pick on him and if he comes back in four weeks it's not the end of the world you can make do with what you what you got because i would imagine if you're a listener of this show and you took jonathan taylor you at least had some speculations to not like make him your hero running back strategy or anything like that you took you were taking some flyers on some other guys maybe guys you weren't ex- hoping to start right away you might have to these up and coming weeks uh i do find it mind-boggling that they don't want to give him a contract but they had two offers reportedly but none of them met a value for what the player they were losing but they don't want to give that player a contract. It just blows my mind whole dynamic there. And I mean, all we hear is speculation until like a trade's final, but we have heard there were multiple offers, including second round picks, and they were trying to hold out for a first round pick. Um, So where is the line between, like you said, a guy they don't want to give a contract to, and but is valuable enough that a second round pick isn't enough compensation? It almost sounds like bitterness at this point. And I hate to be the guy to throw all the shade coming right out the bat here. Jim Ursay is becoming Jerry Jones. I I mean, he was kind of already there. He was just, he's worse now. I mean, I should say I, I, he, he is, he, he's pushing it. But uh, I mean, this isn't all Jim Ursay. Like, you know, Chris Ballard, their DM was the ones like, yeah, it's not enough compensation. And yeah, there seems but to be some disconnect why, between. But why ownership. do we seem to always hear that? Like, all these comments are coming from Jim Irsay. I haven't heard Chris Ballard's name hardly at all in this whole entire conversation. It's like their owners, their GM, and their GMs, their puppet master. <laughs> I should say their puppet. I don't know. I don't know. I think Chris Ballard has a has a pretty big say in that organization. Always has, and 
while I just think Jim Merce is more more vocal, I think you know he's up there. But I do think because Chris Ballard was I was reported was the one that said he didn't get enough. And to to your point though, Chris Ballard could also and because we're not on the inside, I'll give him his dues. He could be on a, the side campaigning to keep John Taylor to Jim Merce, and he's fighting that battle. We d- we don't know that, so I don't want to say yeah. you know. To your point, it could very much be just Jim Irsay, like, oh, no. And Chris Bauer's like, no, look, this is the guy we got. Because not very often do you have a draft pick. I mean, yes, Jonathan Taylor is, you know, an elite talent, but he's in the running back class that he needs a big contract. He was a second-round pick, and you were offered essentially a second-round pick for him. You could have got the same value you took him. And so it's all confusing to me. I'm really interested to see how the next four weeks play out. Like, is is he back in four weeks? Or is this like another guy that we'll talk about in a minute going to PUP that's probably just going to sit the whole season out? Like, I, I I'm very interested to see how how this one plays out for sure. Uh, but I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but be, Jonathan Taylor, you mentioned you didn't take any shares of him. Did you take any shares of the the other guys uh, in Indianapolis? I know Dion Jackson was a name I saw getting plucked at the end of some late round drafts. I know I've been a stashing zach moss uh i think he might actually start on short-term ir uh but -hmm. i think he might be a guy to come back with so using that ir spot like in the league i didn't i didn't draft a kicker because i drafted him wanted to see if he goes to ir and then pick up my kicker that way uh but what are your thoughts on the the backfield now that jonathan taylor is at least not playing the first four games and maybe not at all the interesting thing is, so I'm trying to look and see if I can find their updated depth chart. It looks like they only kept three running backs on the roster, and Zach Moss is on the active roster to start. Um, My pluck, I mostly had shares in Dynasty Leagues from last year in Deion Jackson that I kind of just held on to thinking like, oh, if anything happens, I have a feeling Deion Jackson's the guy. Um, But it kind of seems like Zach Moss could be. So if you're someone out there that has Jonathan Taylor, maybe see if you can go stash both. If you're going to stash one, I guess the leader in the clubhouse is Zach Moss. Um, but if you have that gut feeling that it's Deion Jackson, we don't necessarily know for sure. Um, just go get somebody, especially now because you should have the extra roster spot with moving Jonathan Taylor to your reserve. Hopefully your league has that. Um, if you didn't already put him there already, because as Cody said, he was already technically on pup or nfi or something like that beforehand yes he should have been eligible um in some leagues to be already moved uh Mm -hmm. but to your point i just want to remind everyone out there if you're not super familiar with you know cut down day and ir and all that stuff to be placed if you were placed on injury reserve today or any time or i say today until four o'clock or any time previous this offseason your season is over you there's no can come back if you made the initial 53 like a guy like zach moss who is dealing with a little bit of an injury uh did for the indianapolis colts he can be put on ir tomorrow and then he can be activated in a couple weeks uh is it three or four games i, I don't remember what three yeah, yeah i think it's three weeks now uh, and, for four for PUP. IR. and four for pup yeah. but pup is four games for those few teams well i don't think they have week four buys anymore but they used to uh depends on the year yeah for sure but so zach moss could, and then that makes De- Deion jackson and then don't rule out the uh undrafted free agent he looked pretty good uh in preseason uh null and we know he gets he comes from shane steichen who likes to use running backs by committee so it could just be a committee approach and without jonathan taylor it's it's a crapshoot each week on who's going to get you know the touchdown or who's going to get the bulk of the carries definitely but go out there and take a stab if you're a jonathan taylor owner as that's most likely the backfield that uh you uh will have the most success in you know there's probably not a lot of carries left out there on free agency that we know of um after your drafts We can get back to running backs in the next segment, moving on to some other players notable that started the season on physically unable to perform. Vaughn Miller is one of those, the pass rusher for the Buffalo Bills, who we did kind of expect this with him coming off of the season ending injury last year. Um, But we don't know how long he'll be on there. Missing four weeks could come right off after that. 
could be a big spark to Buffalo as we get towards the middle part of the season. And Kyler Murray was the guy that Cody was referring to earlier as somebody who started the season on PUP may actually be ready to play at some point this season, but there's a good chance. It looks like Arizona is going to sit him for the entire season on PUP and just go for it next year. Um, any reason to go out there and throw a flyer stab at a Kyler Murray and stash him or just not worth it? I mean, I have him in one league, and that was just because I could throw him instantly in the IR. He wasn't drafted in another league that I or a couple other leagues I did this weekend. So it's not like I'm squat yet. You know, they have a pretty bad roster as is. So unless, you know, they come out and surprise people, like that's the only way I think he even plays. Uh, and to put it to put it, to answer your question probably better. So yes, in the one league I do have him and stashed him, but you know if uh, I also have Zach Moss in that league, he goes to IR and that was you know I only had two IR spots, and you know I had to cut someone for someone later. I'd cut Kyler Murray. Like it's more of just mm-hmm. like a wait and see, but it's not like a, a pressing. And even if he does come back, like it's an ACL, it, it's probably not even worth the hold. In all honesty. So the fact that Zach Moss, who should technically be a backup running back, is more valuable to hold in a reserve spot than Kyler Murray should tell you a lot of things out there as fantasy owners. But never know if there's a chance. If you hear he gets activated, go out there and grab him off free agency if he's still sitting out there, but maybe not worth the stash in the reserve spot. Um, Cut down day. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say with the, you know, the Kyler Murray thing, also like this is very, you know, you can pay attention to your fantasy leagues. You know, maybe your week three, you add him to your waivers for a $0 fab, or you just pick him up and then throw him in your IR that week or something like before, like a week or two before the PUP to see what happens. Um, that way you can get ahead of it, but you're not wasting the spot. I know it's an IR stash, so it's not as like as big if it's, you know, he's waiting a couple weeks to come back, but that's another option you can do for Kyler Murray. That's a good call. That's something I hadn't thought of there. So thank you for that advice there, Cody. Um, As we said, cut down day was Tuesday. Um, We got to talk about Cody adding to the rundown as I'm talking, really throwing me off now. Um, Talk about some of the biggest surprise cuts. I'm going to start off with the New England Patriots and the quarterback position. Now, we know it's not going to stay this way, but let me just quick read down the quarterback depth chart for the New England Patriots. Mac Jones. That's it. They cut not only their young quarterback. Those are three. I'm forgetting the name at the moment. It's not in front of me, but also Bailey Zappi, who was even a dark horse to be a starter after all the hatred on Mac Jones at the end of last year and such. Uh, Is this something that they're going to go out there and try to find one of these quarterbacks that like veterans that got cut or what do you, what are you thinking is happening with this Bailey Zappi situation? Dude, I, f- I keep thinking, and like I don't want to put, I'm not going to put any speculation out there because I have no idea, but I keep thinking there has to be like another news drop later. Like this one just doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, you have Mac Jones there, but like he's proved serviceable last year. He, you know, won you a couple games. He didn't have that bad of a preseason from what I could tell. Like this one really surprises me, and I'm very interested to see how many people put in like waiver requests for him because like what's out there right now? Like, Tim Boyle, he got cut from the Jets. Like, is that what they're going <laughs> after? Did Marcus Mariota made it through, did he not? He did. Tanner McKee, like, did he get cut? You're the Eagles uh, fan. He is still through as well, yeah. So they kept all three of those guys. Like, who's out there? Like, are they going to go sign Carson Wentz to be their backup? Because it's free agency. Like, wouldn't you rather have Bailey Zappi? Like, there feels like there's something missing to this story. Maybe he just, like, said the wrong thing to Bill Belichick <laughs> and he got he had enough. Again, I don't want to speculate. I don't know, but there feels like there's something missing. Um, The only other guy I can think of you didn't name there is Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is out there because he was cut by the Cardinals. But again, somebody that like, why would I go out there and get veteran backup, you know, career backup Colt McCoy, as opposed to Bailey Zappi, who is a young guy with at least like a little bit of unknown potential here with enough success in the games he played last year, that there's a good chance he's going to get swept up. He's not going to make it to your practice squad. The only, the only situation I can think of in my head that was similar to this was last year, the Dallas Cowboys only kept one quarterback on their roster 
but it was Dak Prescott, someone with a higher, you know, ceiling than Mac Jones in all likelihood. Um, and then their two backup quarterbacks were just very bleh. Um, and they end up obviously having to activate them because there was an injury to Dak Prescott for a short period of time. Um, but you saw how bad they had to scramble for that and how many teams you thought maybe were going to snipe a quarterback off of their practice squad because that would have just put them into a scramble. Like it doesn't seem like a smart move, especially without an established quarterback. Like if they still had Tom Brady and pulled this, whatever. Sure. But I don't think Mac Jones should keep them comfortable enough to want to go out there and just see like, oh, it doesn't matter what we end up with QB2. If our QB2 gets sniped on waivers, it's whatever. There's not enough out there, and he's not an established enough quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess I don't even look at it as you know an established quarterback when it comes to Mac Jones. Like For me, it's the value of Bailey Zappi. And I, am I saying he's like the next starting quarterback going to win 12 games? Absolutely not. But like, to your point with the Dallas Cowboys, like when Cooper Rush got, you know, waived last year, they only kept Dak Prescott. Like Cooper Rush didn't have waiver market. Like if if I'll be even more surprised than I was that it got cut if Bailey Zappi makes it through 32, 31 teams of waivers mm-hmm. and makes it back to the, you know, the Patriots practice squad or gets re-signed for him. Like that would surprise me even more than, you know, I would expect another team to to take a look at him. Heck, I mean, I talked about Colt McCoy. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals put a claim in on him. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad option. I mean, they have Josh Downs and uh, not Downs, Dobbs, Downs, Dobbs. the wide receiver for the Colts, and then Clayton Tune, um, the rookie out of Houston. So they could take fire yeah, on um, the And they've got David Blau, but we have all seen David Blau has not been anything special either. For sure, but. <laughs> That was probably the surprise cut. Like, I put on the rundown any others, but, like, honestly, I don't think there's any that can come close or top what Bailey Zappi was. <laughs> I feel like, for the most part, it was uh, a pretty normal day when it came to cuts. There were a lot of trades, uh, I felt like, especially for kickers. Um, so we can talk about the kickers that were traded. And we'll, we'll just throw all the trades together. So the Eagles, they traded for uh, former tight end Albert yeah i wasn't gonna try uh <laughs> so they you. traded for him uh which you know once again harry roseman can use to play chess while the rest of the teams play checkers the broncos gonna wave him they're like hey and, and knowing that they have uh the 31st waiver they're like wait a second we'll give you a a sixth for big o and a seventh so basically nothing to get to beat the waiver process so shout out to harry roseman for again being one of the top gms in the league uh, which I'm sure would just send Tyler, if he was with us, into a, a tizzy. We're going to use that word today. <laughs> That's a good um, one. And then the kickers, there was three kickers traded. Uh, Dustin Hopkins was traded to the Chargers. That was about a day or two ago. Uh, no. By the time you're listening to this. <laughs> he was traded no, from the Chargers. From the, from the Chargers to the Browns. There you I'll go. get this right. Will Lutz reunites with Sean Payton as he was traded uh, to the Broncos from the Saints. And then Nick Folk was traded from the Patriots to the Titans uh, all for like late day three picks. Interesting to see the kickers moving around. Obviously uh, some teams need them and some teams have two, which is fun to see. Trades are definitely exciting. Uh, I know you're an Eagles fan, so you'll probably the big O one, but any of those kickers, you know, move them for you at all. I mean, I guess the Chargers moving Hopkins doesn't seem like a big deal because they already had Cameron Dicker who was performing just as well. Um, I, I feel like playoff teams are like are the ones that really get under the radar when it comes to, you know, kicker play. So the Titans are the one that come to mind to me when you're getting not only Nick Folk has all that playoff success, kicking in the weather from New England. I know he's getting up there in age, but going down there to a team that is hoping to compete for the division and maybe even in the playoffs, getting a solid kicker seems like a necessity for them, and they've been struggling for years. Um, the Broncos hoping to come back, you know, into relevance. That that Will Lutz thing is a solid move, but I feel like the Titans with the most recent success is the one that stands out the most to me. Plus, they get the guy with the biggest pedigree. Yeah, I think Will Lutz has been underrated as a kid, so I really like that move for for the Broncos. It is interesting. But- He's not. 
the third kicker since McManus, and that was just this offseason. They haven't played a game since they – Is it worth noting he's going from a division where he plays in domes pretty much all the time to going to kicking a mile high? Uh, mile high is like the like the chode of outdoor domes, so I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he has a strong leg, so – and he's been pretty accurate. I know he's he's dealt with some injuries too in the past, but I think that's a good pickup for the Broncos for whatever they're going to be this year. Um, but we don't have to too much talk about kickers. You shouldn't even play with them in fantasy football. Uh, two more okay. quick notes. Uh, there's some holdouts that I think are worth mentioning, not so much for fantasy, but just in terms of the NFL. Uh, one has been talked about a lot, and one I think has gone completely under the radar unless you're a fan of that team. Uh, but that is Chris Jones, uh, the defensive tackle you know, best player on defense for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and he said he's willing to hold out till week eight until he gets so. And he's losing a, a bunch of money uh, because of the new CBA. They can't erase that, but he's willing to hold out for a contract. So Chris Jones is the one that's been talked about. Uh, but Nick Bosa for the San Francisco 49ers, he's been holding out all offseason. I don't think really anybody's talked about it too much. Nope. Um, they're not sure he's going to play week one. They don't know what he's going to I know the 49ers been one of the top drafted offense is now he's in a little bit different situation he's not getting or his fines can be waived if i understand correctly because he's still on his rookie deal uh so there's like a mm. a clause in so maybe that's why he's like not actually losing money but uh you know even their gm was like yeah i don't like the situation he's holding out and that was a top fantasy defense so if you're banking on the 49ers but they don't have arguably their best player on defense uh, that could be a tough loss. Granted, they they have some still easy matches, which one they're probably still worth starting, uh, but maybe not taking in like round ten, like we've seen in some drafts. Not necessarily. I mean, they had I think three guys in the top ten in pressures last year, so it wasn't just Bosa. And then they went out and added Javon Hargrave too. So it's not like they were a one trick pony. I mean, Bosa's the leader of the pack there, but they got a lot of other dudes on that defense. Yeah, but I think I see. I look at it more as. So like Pittsburgh's really good at getting pressure uh-huh. when they have TJ Watt. And then it's not like they can't get sacks, but they definitely take a step back without him. Uh, and I think the 49ers defensive front will be similar if Nick Bosa doesn't play. I mean, there's still time. Like I said, there's still two weeks to the first week of the season. They could figure something out and he could be out there because, you know, Nick Bosa's staying in shape. So it's not like oh yeah, him missing training camp would be a big deal. But wanted to bring that to your attention. And before we wrap up our news, have to end on a good note when it comes to cutdown day. Demar Hamlin did make the 53-man roster, which some people might not find that surprising since he was a starter last year. But with all his uh, medical stuff he went through, he was actually, you know, a backup special teamer uh, as he was working his way back to the field. So not surprising that Demar Hamlin made it, but to come full circle to where we were, what was that week 16 last year? to yep. cut down day this year with Demar Hamlin uh, has been an incredible, incredible journey to follow and uh, a great story for him, the NFL. And I'm glad to see that he's at a spot where he'll be playing football this fall. hundred percent happy to see him back on the field for a regular season game soon. But Cody, we mentioned it in the beginning of the show. Why don't we look at some of these world cup drafts? All right, fun transition to the screen where we have three full draft boards that we're going to be showing you on the board. So if you guys do not know, the Couch GM's World Cup is our little project that we're doing that we have put together essentially a 30-man league that we're going to be changing, rotating leagues every single year, trying to find who who is the best fantasy player out of the 30 in that four-year stretch. So you have three years of qualifying leagues. All redrafts, winners automatically move on to the World Cup final, and then any uh, remaining spots will go to the top performers and win percentage through the first three years. We just finished year one's draft, and I think this was an interesting exercise to look at because we have three leagues that have the exact same settings. Everyone has the exact same goal, but the drafts still go completely different. Um, and that's why we can look at some of these, find some outliers and and really show you maybe what strategies we liked, what strategies we didn't like and 
show you how you have to stay fluid because we never know how a draft's going to go. Yeah, that's a great point, too. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not in the World Cup, so why do I care? Like George mentioned, there's a lot of things that we can extrapolate from these draft boards and work into your leagues, too. Your vocabulary is fantastic today. I'm, I'm on a roll. And two, <laughs> if you want to be in you know, the next iteration, iteration of the Couch GM's World Cup, make sure you follow along. And this, we are hoping to, as we grow expand, to bring the World Cup into more of like a viewership standpoint of doing some bonus podcasts throughout the week, keeping you all updated. So even though you're not managing a team, you can follow along, get your favorite team, just like you do every four years for when the you know soccer World Cup happens. But George brought up a good point. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, thank you. Make sure you subscribe. If you're not, if you're listening, the, head over to YouTube, subscribe, and check it out on your screen. You can see the three draft boards that we're scrolling through. And one thing, though, while they were all different and they all started at 630, if they all took different amounts of times, the one thing that was consistent was Justin Jefferson went number one overall. But that was it. After the first pick in all three leagues, things started to change here. So, George, I'll open it up to you. Uh, if there's anything that first jumps out to you, if there's any league, so there's group A, which is on the screen right now. You need me to move over to group B, group C, just let me know. But what was the biggest takeaway you had from the World Cup drafts? <laughs> I'll start at the top, and we'll kind of work our way down. Um, so Christian McCaffrey, second overall pick in group A, as you guys can see on your screen. I'm going to look over. He was third overall pick in group C, and I only jumped to group C first because somehow he fell all the way to pick six in group two, in group B. Um, So I don't know exactly what it is about the group B draft that people just didn't like Christian McCaffrey. We saw Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb go before him in group B, as opposed to he was the first running back taken in the other two. Uh, group C had Jamar Chase go pick two instead of a running back. But uh, that was the first thing that was interesting to me. So, like, you can be the person that's like, I like my tier one of Justin Jefferson and Christian McCaffrey, but I didn't get pick one or two. You never know how far a guy's going to fall. So, like, prepare for the fact that, like, oh, there's a good chance that McCaffrey's going in the top three in every single draft. Justin Jefferson's going one pretty much every single draft. But you could have a surprise and have someone fall to you. Absolutely. You're talking about someone falling to me and that same thing about being fluid, being able to adapt. You know, you can mock draft all you want, but you never know what's going to happen. And that same group, Group B, where Christian McCaffrey went, Jamar Chase went seven. seven. He felt he fell to me in that draft. I'm in Group B. Uh, George, you are, is in Group C and Tyler is in Group A. So you everybody is playing with us and we are all competing against each other. Um but to your point, Jamar Chase, where he went, you know, the second pick in your group, and I believe the third or fourth pick in group A, I scrolled over, you could see. So, yes, very interesting on how these players went. I think, I think one, the Travis Kelsey effect, because some people view him as a top, you know, even though his, he's the tight end, so you get that positional value bonus. You know, he went and picked four. I mean, he went top five in every league. No, he went six and oh, he went six, but basically right there, right? And Higher he went... than he's normally gone because in previous years, the highest you really ever see him go is eight, normally like 10 or 11. If I, if I remember like a month ago, like we were talking up Travis Kelsey and we were like, yeah, like, but still, like, pick five is the ceiling, and in two drafts, we have him going top four. So, like, yep. that's the other thing, too. Like, drafts change every week, and I guarantee you, if we did this exercise again this weekend with after cutdowns after the Jonathan Taylor news after some other th some people get placed on IR that we weren't expecting these three drafts would be entirely different that's why we always are advocates to make sure you're drafting after the third season game and if you can draft Labor Day weekend in that break in between preseason and the NFL season yeah, and I think that's a good transition to the Jonathan Taylor thing because we did say we would talk a little bit more fantasy implication on that. So, I mean, if you're drafting now post PUP news, I would assume he probably goes round four, round five. Um, sometimes he might even slide further if you have a league that's very skeptical. Um, you can kind of back up where you think he's going to go, Cody. 
but I'm just trying to see here. So in group A, Jonathan Taylor went 3-3. That's pick 23 overall. In group B, Jonathan Taylor. He went 2-9. 2-9. So that's all right. It's even higher round two. And then in group C, Jonathan Taylor went 3-7. So that was the lowest he went. Um, I'm sure this person that took him in round three in group C is like, I got the best value and I still feel like I got gypped, but he could end up working out for him in the end. Where do you think he falls to now that this is over? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I, because of, you know, where he was that ADP wise, I don't think he'll fall as far. Um, but I would comp him to like an Alvin Kamara at this point. Alvin Kamara suspended the first three games. You know, he's coming off of an injury, didn't look the best last year, uh, but has some, you know, high upside still, even though he's a later age running back than Jonathan Taylor. Um, so even if I'm, I'll use group A as an example, because that's the one on screen. Alvin Kamara went at 6-9. Nice. Jonathan Taylor <laughs> nice. went at 3-3. Three, three. I don't think in a week's time, we're going to see that ADP drop to where he falls all the way to the sixth round. But, you know, round four, round five, I think would be would make more sense. And and some leagues, like, he won't get touched. Like, some leagues, he won't just because he is a Group B, Alvin Kamara went round eight instead of round six in the other two. There's your example of that. You got to see, like, you could be like, oh, I think he could go round six. But then, like, and you're like, I don't really want to touch him in round six. But keep an eye on players that even you're like, I don't like him at his value. Because if he falls to round seven, round eight, then it's like, Maybe this value is too good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say after, because after your first four, maybe five rounds, depending if you're a 12 man or 10 man league, what your settings are. Um, if you're in your standard, you know, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end flex, or even two flexes. Uh, after you get to like through round five, I think that's a lot of your taking higher upside guys, high flyers and stuff like that. So if, if you have any inclination or if you're a Colts fan, or if you're just like, Dude, this is still Jonathan Taylor. He's going to come back in four weeks. Or, heck, he still might get traded to the Dolphins in between the next four weeks. And I'd really like him on that offense with their weapons. Like, go ahead and take him. You're taking a flyer. We see people in the fifth, sixth round all the time that, like, get cut halfway through the season and never pan out. Like, it happens. That's the part of fantasy football. So, to George's point, don't be afraid to – you won't have to do it with Jonathan Taylor because his ADP won't reset in a week's time. But – like Alvin Kamara, he was taken six nine, but his ADP was lower because he was so low for so long until we got a final ruling. Like that's where you can scroll down. And to your the other point though is if you're really bullish on they're still going to trade him, he's not playing. I want Deion Jackson. If you want to go get Deion Jackson in the sixth or seventh round, he's still way down in ADP and he won't adjust to a higher thing too. So that other thing, make sure you're paying attention to what your t- leagues are doing, but also don't be a, you know, person that relies so much on your ADP. Once you get past round five, go get the guys that you think can make a difference. And I want to talk about group B as a whole a little bit here. So if you want to scroll over to that, Cody, this draft was one of them that was the most interested to watch because I it just happened to randomly fall this way. This group in general is very interesting where, it's Tyler's wife, my now fiance, and a bunch of people who we have played in super competitive leagues with. So it's a like a very experienced league um, with a couple other people who we might not have played a lot with, but we know, you know, have a strong fantasy background. And I don't know if it's just the way that, you know, rankings are falling this year. I don't know if it's just the way like the waves of the draft that everyone was kind of following each other in this draft. Running backs got pushed down really far in this draft specifically. Once you hit round the end of round four, and even there's some running backs that went in round four that were going in rounds two and three before, but there's like a one round disparity, sometimes a two round disparity for pretty much every single back in this draft compared to the other two. Examples like Alexander Madison went in round six, pick four in group B. He was going in round five in the other two, I believe. Um, sometimes round four, I couldn't be mistaken. I don't know. I have to go back and tick peek at that a little bit more. Um, the Alvin Kamara thing I already mentioned. He went super low. J.K. Dobbins as well. 
Like, I don't know if it was a draft, like a follow the leader kind of thing. Like a lot of wide receivers and tight ends and the earlier quarterbacks went in that league and everyone kind of just followed in place. But that was something that like, if somebody noticed a draft trend in about round five, they could have snatched up a lot of solid mid round backs. And if they were lucky enough to go wide receiver heavy early, they could have worked out. And I think Cody, you're actually the team that looked like you could have pulled that off taking chase brown andrews as your first three picks being able to follow up with aaron jones Brees hall alexander madison as your next three going zero running back and still grabbing running backs that i think are going to be completely solid for you yeah and then i still got alvin kamara in that league um plus then i was also able to add like a chris godwin down there later too so there's definitely some you know high upside guys there and, and to your point Group B to me is the most interesting, and I don't know if it is just people. Pl- there is a lot of people that have played fantasy for so long, and I think people find this out too when you play fantasy. Like, yeah, there's the rankings on NFL.com or ESPN or Sleeper, whatever your platform may be, but like you still go with with your gut or with the guys that you think are going to break out or where you see great value. Like, I don't really normally take a tight end early, but using Group B, for example, Mark Andrews at the end of the third round, like that's, in my opinion, was incredible value. So I had to take it. And, you know, maybe this is not the right way to play fantasy football, but we had a group, a Zoom chat with everybody on in the league. Not everybody could make the Zoom chat, but we opened up to all 30 players. We could sit there and chat. And there was a bunch of people in there from my league. And I was sitting there like, how is this guy falling? Please don't make me draft him. The value is too good, but it will ruin my what my... Like, I don't need a fifth receiver, but the value is too good. And that's something you do have to bounce out as you're playing fantasy football. But at some point, the value is too good, and you still have to do it, like I did with Mark Andrews. Like uh, Christian Watson, the number one wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, fell all the way to round seven, six. Like, that's a high upside guy. Like, there's a lot of players in that some people value a lot lower than others. And if you're convicted about one of those guys, go out and get them. And sometimes you have to be fluid to the fact of like, you could be like, don't someone take this guy. I don't want to take him because like, I feel like it's too good a value and I can't let it pass. Sometimes you can use that to your advantage too. Cause honestly, right next to Cody team eight kickers lives matter. That's actually Bree, my fiance's team. She, I could hear her talking literally from round seven to round 10. She literally used the, I think, I don't like this guy, but I feel like it's too good a value. Terry McLaurin, normally I think goes round five, round six. J.K. Dobbins goes a round or two earlier. Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman, same thing. Like she just kind of let the draft come to her at a point. And she was kind of like, I don't know if I like this draft because I don't necessarily like the players at their ADPs. But where she got them compared to where they usually go, the value is actually great. Yeah, I know. Um, like, to your point, like, I took Alvin Kamara for she sniped J.K. Dobbins right in front of me at 8-3, and I was like, there's no way J.K. Dobbins is here in the eighth round. Like, yeah, I know. Todd and Alvin Martin. Kamara the same way, but, you mean, you guys let the draft come to you in that round. Right, and I think that is, is important, too. Um, and I think you even saw it, too. We talk, we talk, We've highlighted a lot about Group B, but if I scroll down here, you'll see – we had one defense go in the first, what is this, uh, 12 rounds. We had one defense. Where yep. if I scroll over to group A, they had, you know, they had two defenses go in round nine alone. And they had more in round 11 and 12. Like, so their defenses started going early. Not as high, but similar case in group C. And that's where we talk about too. Like, and some of the defenses, uh, have to be, you know, they viewed as these top defense. We talked a little bit about the 49ers, but like the Jets, everybody is talking about the Jets defense, how good they were last year. They're going to be elite this year. Yeah, but they also play Buffalo week one. Like, do you really want to spend uh, a pick in the 10th round to go get the Jets defense when you're probably going to want to spot start another defense later? Like, look at week one, see those, those matchups. Like, if, and if you just punt on the position, the commanders play Arizona. You're probably you're going to start a different defense week two, but the commanders play Arizona week one. So that's something to pay attention to. And also 
don't be afraid to, you know, go out and get your guy, but all don't feel like you have to follow the, the action. Don't feel like you have to follow the trend when it comes to drafting. Like we saw, you know, in group a, with those defenses, somebody took uh, the 49ers defense. So someone's like, Oh wait, well I have to get a defense. And they took the Philadelphia Eagles in round nine when you still had player like Dalvin cook went right after the Eagles defense. Like, that's still a guy that can make make a difference. Yeah, there's some, you, like I, I talked about earlier, uh, you're contradicting yourself after round five or six. It's a crapshoot anyways. But, you know, take players that have higher upsides than a defense. And I'll jump to group C really fast. When it comes to not feeling like you have to jump on trends too, um, I want to talk about myself and Brandon, who is team four Waddle. I forget his whole name. It's the Waddle team over there. Every single team in group C had a quarterback by the middle of round. Sorry, early in round eight. Yet Brandon and I still felt the need to wait even longer and he didn't take his first quarterback on his roster until round 10, taking Daniel Jones. And I took it even further and let a lot of teams take backup quarterbacks and didn't take a quarterback until round 14. Took two to end my draft and didn't even take a defense because I had Jamison Williams. So similar to the kicker strategy that we typically talk about, if you take someone on PUP or on injured reserve, feel free to not take a kicker, add one later. No kickers in this league, just defenses. I went out there and decided to not take a defense, add someone with a good week one matchup, as opposed to having the Jets playing against the Bills, like Cody said. Um, but I still ended up with Dak Prescott. So go ahead and answer me the question, Cody. So the team that took Tua in round eight, and I took Dak Prescott in round 14, how much of a drop-off is there between Tua and Dak Prescott? Uh you should have picked a different person. I really like Tua this year. He's like my <laughs> sleeper no, okay. guy. Uh, go one. T- okay, so was it five picks before that? The other team took a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think I think Trevor Lawrence is a great comparison. I think people are a lot. I think Trevor Lawrence has potential to be like a top five fantasy quarterback. I, I really do. But I think he also comes with some potential to be very inconsistent, like a guy like Dak Prescott. Uh, I think he could, you have some weeks where he throws four picks. I think there's some weeks where he goes for 400 yards. Like, I think it's going to be a roller coaster ride. Um, and, you know, maybe you, you paid a little extra for Trevor Lawrence because he plays in the NFC South compared to the FC or the AFC South compared to the NFC East. So he has a better schedule. Uh, but I don't think there's anything wrong with getting Dak Prescott. And to your point, I was going to mention quarterbacks as well as we, you know, start to wrap up here. Same thing happened in Group B with my team. Everybody in the league had a quarterback uh, by round eight, and it's like, oh, I'm I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. And now I did take a flyer on Deshaun Watson, uh, just as you know, to see what was gonna happen with the Browns, and he still has some rushing ability. So I tried to see if he would still tap into that. Uh, wasn't like my top guy. Like I think I still could have got Tua here, even though I just talked about him being one of my flyers, but I. Went a little different because I have a lot of shares of Tua in other places. Actually, no, I couldn't have. Tua went the round before me, so I couldn't take him anyway. So scratch that last point. But Dak Prescott went five picks after him. So to your point, like you got him four rounds even after he was gone in Group B. So very, very diverse. And this is the fun part about fantasy where every league is different. And that's why I think even if you're not playing in our world cup, but you're checking out the, you know, what we're doing on social media to talk about it, what we're doing on these bonus episodes of podcast coming up this season, following along. I think it could be good for you to see how other leagues are being run, what other teams are doing. And it will also be, you know, interesting to see how these different things play out. And I think that's what makes the world cup. So such an exciting thing to be a part of. And yeah, it might only be, I don't know if George mentions at the top, but as you can see, we have three groups of 10-man leagues, but we're tracking win percentage across all four years, and that'll be tiebreakers, and that'll be bonus slots into that final World Cup uh, selection as well. So it's not just we're not just playing against this league. We're also playing against other leagues, which adds an interesting twist. Definitely, Cody. Um, we still do have a little bit more time here. Is there any other draft strategies? Why did you take this person? Why 
didn't you take this person that you see throughout the rest of the leagues? I'm still kind of looking through, so I'll uh, keep it on as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we could go over about position and position about the disparity between you know where some people were taken, some people weren't taken, um, and how much of you know those middle tier rounds really change everything. Like we've talked about different players, some going around six, some going around eight. That's going to happen in every league. Um, I would say I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of if, especially like I'll use Group B for example. Like our good friend Marcus, he's been on the show a couple of times. He went ahead and took a quarterback in round three in Jalen Hurts. And yes, I know the end of the rounds are just flyers, and he's hoping for for something. But he added up. He added two more quarterbacks in Anthony Richardson, which is the ultimate flyer of any fantasy quarterback this year and then he he grabbed Aaron Rodgers which could be a top guy if depending on how he plays in New York this year he's done it before so he has you know three guys that have extreme high upside but this isn't a super flex league this is a one quarterback league so I'm already kind of against taking a backup quarterback uh especially if you take one of those top guys like a Jalen Hurts Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes I would not recommend what you saw here in group B uh taking three uh, but Marcus always beats me in fantasy. Like we have a good rivalry going. So he's probably laughing as he's listening to this, like, huh, wait till I beat you with Anthony Richardson in my lineup. And just because I have three quarterbacks. So, oh, on top of it, if you want to have you more, if you remember back to our last episode when we did like do's and don'ts for fantasy football, he also took Travis Kelsey in round one, followed up with a quarterback in round three. As Cody literally last week said, don't take both positions in round in the first five rounds. Just take one of the two or neither. Uh, so he totally went against everything you said. Still put together a fairly solid team. He got some decent upside in the middle round. So I think he's going to be okay. Um, but so it, me, it was a risky way to draft, to say the least. For sure. And if if you're not on YouTube right now, I'm going to run through his, his team. I'm going to do it. A little, I'll do it by the starting positions, not so what his projected week one starters would be, not the order that they were taken, but he has Jalen hurts. And then his two running backs would be Tony Pollard and Damian Pierce. Uh, then dude, my guy also took two tight ends. Too. That's interesting. In the first six rounds, just now yep. realize that. So then his two starting wide receivers are Keenan Allen and Mike Evans. And then, I'll give you three options for his two flex spots would be Pitts as the third tight end, Javante Williams or Marquise Hollywood Brown. We talked a little bit about this. Uh, we were talking, we were texting back and forth right after the draft happened, me and Marcus were, and he talked about how he really liked his team. And I said, I think you have a good team, but for me, you have a lot of the old reliable guys uh, in fantasy. So some people really like that strategy, you know, with Keenan Allen, Mike Evans and Hollywood Brown. But, like, I don't think there's a ton of upside there. Like, I don't think any of them have capabilities to be, you know, top one, top five wide receivers this season. You know, so I think that's an interesting strategy. He's going really big with the tight end, the quarterback, and maybe if Kyle Pitts breaks out because it is a double flex league and you can play a tight end there, if he's a semi wide receiver too, he might be in every week flex form because he has that high upside. Steph, a completely different strategy that I would have done or that we've seen out of Marcus. But I think that's the, also the fun part about fantasy is you can still make a very good case that this is a sub team. And that's so why we it, Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say so that's think, why we. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I no, talked enough. You're good. I think there's three teams we should keep a tab on when it comes to tight ends and taking. So this is a two flex league as well. And the flex positions, both of them could play a tight end. You technically could play three. I don't think anyone's ever going to play three, but playing two is a possibility. So the three teams that I'm watching when it comes to that is Marcus's team having Kelsey and Pitts. You can flip over to group a Sherbs who picked nine in that league took Hawkinson and Kittle back to back in rounds five and six. Those might even be an even stronger pair of tight ends that could play tight end flex pretty much every single week. And then in group C, Bryn Decent Exposure, the team 10, took Darren Waller round four, Kyle Pitts round seven. Um, so know your scoring settings too. Know your ability to play positions wherever. If you don't like a wide receiver or running back at a current point, but you think a tight end has high upside like Kyle Pitts could, it's not out of the question to go out there and take a second tight end with high upside, hoping you can either get a trade out of it or you can still play him in that flat. No, I think that's a great point. And I, I'll even throw my team in group B on, on the list there. I have Mark Andrews, and it wasn't like I took another guy high. 
But I took David Njoku in the 10th round, who has some real high upside. And I paired that with my quarterback being Deshaun Watson. So if I needed someone in a pinch, I have a stackable tight end backup or a flex person. Uh, so because the double flex, because of not having a kicker in this league, which is how you should be playing fantasy, I took a second tight end. I typically don't do that because normally I don't get a top guy. I just take a flyer. and I'm going to start them whichever every week I feel like, and I'll pick some guys off the bench too. But I think we've seen all these different strategies. We've seen all the different layouts. Uh, so one last time, just in case you are, you know, looking, I will go over, let you look at group A. While I'm talking, I'll move over to group B and group C. But I think the important thing to take away from is, yes, draft season is a lot of fun. It's a super exciting time. You love to see what players can you get, how you're going to do. You love to get those rankings from NFL.com or your, you know, where they're projecting you to finish, whether it's one and 13 or 13 and one ESPN Yahoo Spur, they all do the same thing. But remember, your league is not one at your draft. We've talked about all these different strategies, how the different things lined up. And not one of the teams, if they're good owners, which being in the Calcians World Cup, we have some standards. So they should not be the same as they were at the end of the season as the ones they were drafted. You got to pra- play your waiver wires. You got to you know, work the trade markets when you can. You have to be on top of the NFL news. And the best way to do that is check the Couch GM podcast. Yes, it is Cody. Um, I feel like I kind of got stuck here. So you can go ahead and wrap us up. <laughs> I didn't know if there was any. I, I didn't want to still. I didn't want to just end the show because I kind of went on a little tangent there in case you had any last uh, any words or thought. But you're shaking your head. No. Uh, so I will. Damn, I should. Oh, dang. I'm sorry. Scratch that. Uh, I should have just. <laughs> Just ended the show there with that subtle plug. Uh, but as always, yeah, make sure you check out the Couch GMs. Next week, we'll be back previewing uh, the NFL season. Football will be back on Thursday. We'll be back recording on Tuesday. Shot on Wednesday doing our Super Bowl picks that we do every year and talking about what the, what you can expect from the show all season long. For Couch GMs, I'm Cody Roadcap. That is George Kurth, and we will see you all next week.